Hi, this is Paul Siegel. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and youtube.com slash wanderingdms slash live. And now, on with the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan, and on this episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about changing editions. Now, Wizards of the Coast has announced a new version of D&D that will be coming out in, I guess, two years from now. And uh, Paul and I thought that we would take the opportunity to talk about prior changes of editions in D&D and what are the issues and the pitfalls and the lessons that uh, we might take uh, for what Watsi does next today on Wandering DMs. Awesome. Now, Dan, you and I are talking about this. Uh, it's actually surprisingly old news because I guess this actually came out uh, back in September. But we're talking about this because of a new book that's just coming out. I'm going to put that up on screen, The Monsters of the Multiverse, uh, which I think there was some surprising information about this being, quote unquote, backwards compatible with 5th edition, which is uh, feels like a weird way to put it when 5th edition is the current edition. Yeah. But uh, there I have go. a lot of questions about that. <laughs> now, the cover, obviously, you know, to an old schooler like me, immediately gets my juices running because uh, the background there is a, a pretty near copy of the art for the first edition, uh, Manual of the Plains, that mm -hmm. was written by Jeff Grubb, and a lot of us really, really love. That's pretty, like, at first sight, I thought it was an actual photocopy. Uh, huh. But uh, I, guess that's, I guess that's a new piece of art in pretty much the same pose. I think later on they called that the Astral Dreadnought. Uh, but, but that covers like 60% the, the first edition Manual of Planes, which is kind of interesting. So they're, yeah. they're, I get it. They're reaching out for both, you know, uh, you know, experienced gamers as well as new gamers. And I understand yeah. that from, from a business perspective. That's very smart. I mean, much, much like our own channel, Dan, I feel like uh, Wizards tries really hard to uh, bridge the gap between the variety of different fans of D&D, &D, uh, which I think is a smart move. Um, but anyway, and that is uh, the challenge of changing editions, right? How much do you keep and how much do you change? And that so right in that co very cover, you kind of have a synopsis of the, the, the challenge when you're changing editions. Yeah. So uh, oh, the, the interesting thing is, uh, in some of the articles that we saw float around about this book and about that claim that it's backwards compatible, um, there was links to an earlier statement, uh, I'll just put it up on, on screen by Ray Winninger, uh, the executive producer over at Wishes of the Coast, who back in September said uh, on camera uh, during during some kind of live stream, uh, I know there's been a lot of speculation, but I can actually reveal today that we have earlier this year began work on the next evolution of Dungeons and Dragons, new versions of the core rule books that will be coming out in 2024 to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, probably not a surprise to most D&D fans that a new version is coming out. Uh, no, I know he doesn't use the word edition here. Um, and I thought really quickly, Dan, I would just pose this weird question of like, well, what is an edition of D&D and what is not? Eh? Yeah, you, you know, the, the more that's an issue, like I was thinking about that this morning and the, the more you think about it, the more complicated it becomes. It's kind of like being, I don't know, like a biologist or something like that and being like, yeah, I'm dealing with five species. Uh, well, maybe five and a half. Well, I guess there's like subspecies. Oh, no. Now I have a huge, yeah. I have yeah. a huge prickly issue that. So 
obviously the currently published edition of D&D, most of us call it fifth edition. Mm -hmm. um, but there's been way more than just five products of D&D over its evolution. And, and uh, um, uh, I forget who put this together, but a, maybe a year or two ago, uh, someone, a couple of years back, someone put together a, a timeline of all the different branching versions up until the start of fifth there. Um, that was uh, Nick Wedig or Wedig. I'm sorry. There you go, Nick Wedig. Give me Nick for mispronouncing your last name. Um, and this is this is actually a version that I modified to to jam fifth edition into the end there because it was missing oh, from you. that chart. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting chart that I think you and I have shown a few times before of sort of the different editions and how they branched and uh, merged and and whatnot. I think we were saying before the show that like in fact they didn't even use the word edition until AD and D second edition. That was branded as second edition. Um, right. But of course, plenty of other books came before and in parallel. Like, let's not forget that basic Dungeons and Dragons was a separate product that was run in parallel with advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So your homes, through the 80s, basically, Moldve and Menser and Rule Cyclopedia mm -hmm. all existed. And are those editions? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Frankly, I was confused as a kid. I'll tell you, I had the Moldve basic set and the first edition advanced Dungeons and Dragons player's handbook, and I thought. Those were both part of the same game. I did not realize that those were two different things. So, yeah. And if you look at, uh, I mean, and in, in your good company, obviously, Paul, many people uh, either consciously or unconsciously uh, mashed them all together. Uh, many people did that. It's some people aware of what they were doing and some people weren't. Uh, the additional complications. So we're kind of in that picture there. Uh, we're kind of talking about that lower branch that's labeled basic D&D there. Um, uh, while, while what was called advanced D&D went through first, second editions in the 80s and 90s, you had this basic edition that was supposed to be simpler. Um, and the interesting thing is the first copy of that, the blue book there of Holmes Basic, very specifically uh, uh, directs the reader to advanced D&D, the upper branch, if they want to mm -hmm. go past the first three levels. Um yeah, so it's more of an introduction. After that, than, uh, was, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Demon, it's and then right. there's debate yep. about did you know did Holmes himself actually uh, uh, put uh, those directions in? No, he didn't. Actually, Gary Gygax took his draft and added mm -hmm. these directions after the fact in order to promote his uh, AD and D magnum opus. Um, and so, in many places, there's kind of a bit of a fault a fault line there about things not exactly syncing up because of these competing concerns about what, what does the buyer get next? Um, just, just for, I know a lot of our uh, regular viewers sort of, I'm sure already know this, but for the sake of any, any new viewers, um, one interesting factor is you mentioned there was some debate on a forum about like sort of the biggest misconception about the original version of Dungeons and Dragons. Let's not forget the new editions coming out at the 50 year anniversary in 2024, 50 years ago would have been 1974 when original Dungeons and Dragons came out, which I think a lot of people uh, or the general public probably doesn't even know exists, right? Because that's that's that yeah. kind of off-white box all the way on the left there uh, mm -hmm. came out in 74 that that's, we now affectionately call zero edition or original edition because it came before first edition. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Um, I will also point out that um, Wizards is is uh, um, coincidentally their their fiftieth anniversary is also uh, according to the Chinese calendar is the next year of the dragon. So that's uh, 
that's a that's, that's a that's kind of nice. Do you think that's a happy accident or a or a very intentional, clever marketing ploy? That's that, that's a happy accident. That's a very yeah. happy accident. If I was if I was if I was marketing, I'd be very happy about that. Honestly, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, I don't, so our goal here is not to ignite any edition wars. Uh, we just want to talk about sort of how um, how uh, the publishers have promoted switching between editions and how you and I have personally gone through edition changes yeah. to our existing games. Um, some may argue, is it, is it too early, too late, too soon, too, too whatever, uh, been, been coming uh, for a new edition? Uh, just real quick, I did put together a quick chart of sort of the lifespan of the different, of the major editions, as it were. Um, and it's interesting to note that, that uh, they're increasingly longer lived, that uh, fourth, uh, fifth edition by 2024 will have been out for 10 years. Um, and if you lump third and 3.5 together, that's roughly eight years. So you could say like eight to 12 years is probably about the lifespan of, of an edition of D&D with fourth being notably. It, it's interesting fourth. with, with the, the, cause there was a pretty big difference between third edition and 3.5 D&D there. And the third edition books were only out for, according to your chart, three years before, yeah. uh, wizards came out with the next edition. I believe you were at the Gen Con event where that was announced. Am I remembering yeah, that right, Paul? Edition. I was at Gen Con when fourth, fourth edition was, was announced. I remember right, going right. to that event and hearing right. them promote it. I feel like 3.5 was a little more subtle. They were just sort of like, put it out there. And we're just like, just, just like, I don't remember specific rules or encouragement of how to move to three to, from 3 to 3.5. I, I would almost argue that they probably called it 3.5 to ease that, to just sort of be like, well, it's just, you know, just just refinement. This isn't a major shift. Just an update. Now, if I recall correctly, the uh, a webcomic that we enjoy a lot, Order of the Stick, I think that the, they started right at that moment. So I, I think yeah. I pulled up. Here is the very first number one Order of the Stick, which is now 18 years ago, 19 years ago. Oh, my goodness. And the, the very first joke is about all the little... Right. I believe my yeah. opinion is that 3.5 had lots of tiny changes, lots and lots yeah. of tiny changes. And so here you've got um, your dwarf becoming more stable and you've got your bard getting new armor um, and you've got uh, people getting new skills. And then, of course, uh, your halfling ranger incredibly angry by the end of it that his weapons got smaller. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you can yep. see right in the middle there, Varsuvius the wizard, right this on the uh, the third row down, is explicitly breaking the fourth wall and saying, "I understand. I believe we are being converted to the new three point five edition." Yeah, and most everybody's happy, and some of your characters are not. <laughs> let's um, let's let's go back down. Let's walk through the editions and sort of talk about how how edition yeah, yeah. change has been managed. Um, you know, here's here's our here's our zero edition. Here's our original edition. Um, I, I, there's probably not a lot to talk about going from zero to first, right? I don't think uh, much to do was made about it, right? It was just, just use it, I, right? Just I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to politely disagree. I great, think great. that, so uh, among the, uh, among the interesting events when, um, uh, when, when you converted from here to first edition, Andy, that was the first time anybody ever made a hardcover gaming book oh, for starters, okay. uh, in yeah. the role-playing industry. So that was um an adventure all on its own and i'm sure at some point we can talk to tim cask who was involved with that about that so it was it was uh, a risk uh, making large fairly expensive hardcover books whether that sure. was going to be an issue um mm -hmm. 
during the development, you can see articles by Gygax during the development where the name Advanced D&D came up fairly late. He was saying, we're going to be making Dungeons and Dragons hardcover books. Um, <laughs> and part of the goal there was to standardize play and allow more people to um, move between DMs on a, and, and uh, have a reliable basis that they know what the game's going to look like. And the interesting thing about um, first edition is that uh, partly because of the risk of making these hardcover books, uh, they didn't all come out at once. They took right. three years before the core rule books, the player's book, the DM's book, and the monster's manual book were all available. The monster manual came out first. Yeah. Yeah, I was just, just going to say, like, the most interesting part of that, right, is that the monster manual came out first, right? So here you have books <laughs> that are just full of stats of monsters um, mm -hmm. that, uh, that uh, ostensibly work with a new unpublished edition, right? And But you can still use it currently with your current edition. Gosh, that sounds a lot like another another book uh, that I heard about recently. Yeah, right? Right? <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's exactly it, right? So Monster Book comes out first, and for first edition, that was 1977. The Player's Book didn't come out until 1978, and the DM's Book didn't come out until 1979. And yes, Paul, the, the first book, the Monster Manual, many people point to that and say the AD&D the Monster Manual is really more compatible with original D&D. It's basically a compilation of all the scattered monsters that they had around a whole bunch of different supplements and a whole bunch of different pages at that point. And as the release cycle continued in 1978, 1979, more modifications were made such that the monster manual is a little bit out of sync with the later books. Here's a couple of examples. They changed the AC base. As of the monster manual, the basic AC is nine. In the player's handbook, it became 10. The alignments changed. In the original monster manual, there's only five alignments. Uh, the alignments of neutral good, neutral evil, lawful, neutral chaotic, neutral do not exist yet, right? Yeah. They didn't, they they weren't created until the player's handbook a year later. Dan, Dan, before we get too deep in the weeds here, I, I wanna I want to bring us back That's, to the topic at end of the edition change. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So what, I, what I'm curious about though is, I, I don't remember, or I don't haven't seen a lot of text. Maybe there was some articles in Dragon Magazine or whatnot about like, hey, there's a new edition coming out. Here's how you're going to adapt. Um, Got it. And that and and that that really the focus here is about growing the audience, right? Like, let's make a thing that's more accessible to more people who've never heard of the game, rather than you know ease the or or, or basically battle the Osborne effect. Right? Like, are they trying? Do you, you think go. that they released the Monster Manual two years in advance of the final uh, Dungeon Master's Guide just just to ease the Osborne effect, or were they just, uh, they just needed two years to work? Well, what is the uh, let's let's explain what the Osborne yes. effect is because you and I were talking about right. that, yeah. uh, and I think this is a really interesting case in uh, in in the business world. Uh, you can look up on Wikipedia what is the Osborne effect. In 1981, there was a computer company called Osborne Computer Corporation, and and many people were making personal computers at the time. Hundreds of companies were were you know competing in that space, and they made a, a Osborne computer number one. And the CEO came out and said, just to be clear, this is basically a prototype. Uh, we are already working on the next version, and version two is going to be so much better than this, it's going to blow your mind. And as a result, nobody bought version one. The company went out and went bankrupt, and they never made version two. 
So there is this known risk of uh, promoting the next version product too soon that has actually forced companies bankrupt. Um, yep. So for some of us, there's a question. Watsi announced their, this new version of D&D three years in advance. I'm not mm. going to claim they're going to go bankrupt. They're not going to do that. But is that too early? Mm. Interesting. That's a yeah. long lead time. And my point with the first edition stuff is even though they tried to keep it compatible with the prior version over a three year span, that was not feasible. They mm. failed at that. And, and the design drifted in three years despite their original goals. My, my instinct, and I, I, don't, I don't have anything that I can quote here to back this up, but my instinct, though, is that that was not like, they were not intending a two-year gap between those books, that they, they just needed that amount of time to produce the book, right? That it wasn't like a marketing plan of like, no, 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 you want to wait a couple years before you release a thing. Whereas clearly, I think that's right. you know, clearly Wizards, I think at this point, if they wanted to, could sit on the news about the new edition um, they could really sit on it for another year or two and they'd be fine, I would think. Do you think Whitaker did that intentionally? Like, I don't like since that was it wasn't like a released press release. Like, do you think that was an accident by Whitaker or was that no, an intentional? I, I think that was highly intentional. Yeah. I think that was highly intentional. And I think the problem, the reason you see them doing this is just that, you know, historically we know that there uh, have been uh, some backlash about new editions and, um, yeah. You know, and and that rather than sort of you get the opposite opposite or something very different from the Osborne effect, where you get uh, existing players who say, "I don't want the new thing. You're ruining my my fun. I'm going to mm-hmm. stick with what I got." And now you're now you're losing sales that way, right? So I feel like a little bit they want to ease the audience into it and say, like, "Don't worry, it's, everything's yeah. going to be fine. Your game's going to get better. You can still use all your old stuff. Everything's great." Which frankly reminds me a lot of the transition from first to second. So yeah. uh, I dug up uh, a, one of my favorite ridiculous uh, pieces of history here, which is the uh, second edition preview booklet. Uh, this was released, um, I don't remember when, oh, uh, prior, oh. prior to second edition being released. This was a 30-page booklet, a free booklet that you could pick up at the, at the game store that just was oh. promoting second edition. Second edition is coming. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Here's why you should buy it. And it's about 28 pages of promotion, followed by a two-page section here about shifting gears. How how do I how do I convert? What do I do? Like what's okay. going on to my okay. campaign? Which I think is really fascinating. Uh, before okay. I dig into that, though, I just want to read you this wonderful bit of copy in the introduction of this booklet, which says, "Comparing the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Second Edition of game to the First Edition, now over 15 years old!" Exclamation point is like comparing a Porsche 959 to a Model T Ford. Both are great cars for their times, but which would you want to drive in the 1990s? They... <laughs> That's a heck of a claim. <laughs> you know, it's really funny um, how you have to walk this line of, and, and there's, I guess there's embarrassing uh, videos, like at the start of the fourth edition era, of them really going overboard on slagging. <laughs> the product <laughs> that's, that's yeah. currently yeah. on the shelves that has a big fan base. Yeah. Um, you know, in the in the comics world, there's this phrase "jumping on points" of like you you restart a volume of a comic and you say this is a great st- jumping on point for new new readers. But every jumping on point is also a jumping off point, um, and uh, that is a real that is a real hard thing to navigate. Yeah, 
Yeah. Model T. Model, yeah. Model T. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. <laughs> and, and frankly, when I, when I compare different editions of D and D, I would say first and second edition are about as close as two editions can get that, that subsequent edition yeah. changes were much yeah. more radical. <laughs> yeah. 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 If, radical. For, for new, for new viewers, the, the, the early editions, and I would include zero to first to second, the, the changes were very conservative compared to the modern era. It was really the third edition. And we've talked to Peter Adkison on the show. We've talked to Sean K. Reynolds. And they really uh, had a goal of we can just change whatever we want and make it significantly different. And that was that was really new as of third. Zero, zero for a second, you could mishmash them to a large degree and not even know that you were using a different edition set to, to largely. Good point. So I find I'm not going to dig through all of these, but I just want to read kind of the questions like they set this up kind of fact like mm -hmm. and the, the questions that they thought were going to be important to their audience is very interesting to me because it's, it's a lot about continuity, like almost like they're thinking about this like a television yeah. show. Right. Because they're asking, what is second edition going to do to my campaign? What about assassins? You got rid of assassins. What am I supposed to do with my assassins guild? Oh, no. Assassins are gone. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, what about my old rule books? Do I have to throw them out? That's that is a very poignant uh, uh, marketing point. And their, their answer to that is, no, of course not. Keep using your old books and a lot of stuff is compatible and is fine and, and don't worry about it. <laughs> um, and then on their second page of this, uh, we have, uh, you know, compatibility of modules and accessories and uh, yeah, yeah. how do I, I'm just starting to play the game. Should I, you know, how do I learn? And uh, my, I like this really, I really like this last question of, suppose I get the second edition player's handbook, what do I do until the Dungeon Master's Guide comes out two months later? How can I wait two whole months, Dan? Two months? Oh my goodness. <laughs> how will you, how will you get through? Yeah, yeah. So I find, I find that booklet really fascinating. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big thing, right? Yeah. It's uh, 32 yeah. pages of, of promotion about basically trying to ease the minds of our first edition yep. players. That second edition is coming out. Um, I guess the other thing I'll point out from the era that, that, that immediately clicks into my head is I remember that they tried really hard to explain the shift in mechanics in the fiction. And they had this whole event called right. Cataclysm. Right. Right. And I remember at the time I was reading the, the Forgotten Realms um, uh, comic book. And it, it happens right there in the fiction. You have this whole section where we have um, uh, the, the magic user character in that comic book. And he's saying, Phantasmal Force is a beginner spell now. Cloudburst has evaporated. Look, Magic Missile is less effective than it was. But they were definitely <laughs> very worried about, oh my gosh, Magic Missile is not yeah. quite as effective as it used to be. It does. Very bit. similar to the, the order of the stick from from the, the in the, the third edition switch. Now the cat. I'm so glad you you brought that up. I'm not super familiar with Forgotten Realms uh, background, so I wouldn't have known that. Yeah. Uh, the cataclysm that Paul was talking about was specific to the Forgotten Realms campaigns campaign setting. Um, and yeah, yeah, again, yeah, I, and I believe right sean reynolds was working on that and i think if you look at the interview we had with him the, the other year uh he, we, we talked about that with sean reynolds actually about being careful with that so for different campaign worlds they had they dealt with that differently uh for the greyhawk campaign world uh there was a mega module called fate of istus and i think i had the, the cover of their yep. uh, the cover of fate of Istus. so fate of Istus was was like what uh, what paul was saying for a cataclysm for the Forgotten Realms is it is a 
uh, I guess the term is diegetic. Uh, the 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 changes are actually observable to the characters in the in the fictional world. Of uh, the goddess Istis reevaluates what the world of Greyhawk is like and waves her hand and makes a bunch of changes. There's ten linked adventures in there, one for each character class at the time. And of course, among the major changes from first to second edition is okay. There was a bit of a moral panic at the time, so some things were taken out of the core rulebooks, such as there used to be a dedicated assassin class. Okay, remove that. I guess it was kind of distasteful. Uh, demons and devils were the the evil <clears throat> extraplanar races were removed from the books. And also monks uh, were removed from the core books because they were considered to be a different culture and therefore not appropriate for uh, core D&D. So Fate of Istis walks through these changes and has a number of adventures where people are grappling with that. Interesting. Um, interestingly, a couple of years later, uh, Sean Reynolds had an adventure called The Scarlet Brotherhood where he retconned that, where he brought <laughs> monks back into the setting because they're so cool and we love monks. What, uh, out of curiosity, I don't know this module well, Dan, um, or really at all. Uh, What did they do with assassins? I, 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 well, I mean, they're gone by the end of it. Uh, I, that, that I'd have to look up uh, in more detail. Maybe one of our viewers knows exactly what the, what it looked like when assassins went away. What I found very interesting is the, um, the the fact section there from the second edition preview asks, what, what do I do about assassins? You got rid of assassins. And their, their response is, oh, it's simple. Uh, the guild just opens its membership up to everyone. Like, you don't have to have a special class to be an assassin. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, wouldn't you want to be an assassin? Kill somebody, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, much but they like, didn't want uh, it on the books at the time. They didn't want it on the books as a as a yeah. selectable character class for moral concerns. So at the time will did, will that return? I don't know. Did you have Dan? Did you have a first edition campaign that had to convert to second? No, for me that was a jumping off point. And I know many yep. people right like you. I think that I think Paul, you started your AD and D play with second edition, and it brought many people into the hobby. For me, it was a jumping off point. For me, when they announced second edition, I was like, great, I won't have to buy any more D&D books. This is a a great (laughs) sign for me. And I did not uh, I did not engage uh, with second edition until you until you pulled me back in, Paul. Years later, you pulled me back into a second edition campaign. Yeah, fascinatingly, I would say, like I said, as as a, as a young kid, I certainly had the first edition AD and D books, which I commingled with basic and had no idea that there was a difference. And then at some point, started playing second, and I just didn't even think about it. And frankly, probably I was playing with different people, so probably the campaign changed. I don't think we ever converted or worried about it. I just picked up the second edition books. And I was like, great, there's new books. Okay, I'll have the new books because new is better, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I, th- I I I think that. My opinion is that most most people's reaction to this very, very careful, like, how do I adapt my world? How do I adapt my campaign is probably overdoing it, right? Like, probably didn't really need this much handholding to. Well, in retrospect, maybe that's a mistake. See, that's one of my main questions is, should the uh, should the rules changes be diegetic inside the campaign worlds Um, at the time? You know, we see it in the comic, we see an adventure, we see publications like that. Uh, our viewer John Miller in the chat right now is reminding us that uh, R.A. Salvatore 
was told by Jeff Grubb in his novels to kill off the character Artemis and Trary because they were an assassin and they don't exist anymore in the Forgotten Realms. Um, and I think Sean was telling us that like a generation later, the idea is just let's not engage with this. Let's, there's too much trouble and let's make those changes, uh, you know, not be visible inside the campaign world and just retcon it. I think is what he said. Did we ever did we talk? Oh, we is... talked to Ari Salvatore. Did we talk to him about uh, about uh, Artemis Contrary? Feel like feel like we should get that. I think William in the chat is saying that we did briefly touch on it. Actually, Great. Great. I think maybe I should go back and rewatch my own stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm being, I'm being told that that Bob's uh, recollection is that he just changed the character to be a multi class fighter rogue. Right. Sure. Who still kills people? Great. <laughs> so, for money. Uh, let's let's get let, so second edition. Uh, this is where our personal history starts to get into it. I remember Dan uh, when when uh, when we first met and talked about starting a D and D campaign with a couple other folks. Uh, this was a conversation we had of should we play first or should we play second? And I think mm-hmm. you are probably the only one arguing for first, and the rest of us are all like, "What you crazy old man?" Let's so play second. <laughs> That seems that seems in character, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But we were in the midst of playing. That was that was ninety nine. We started that campaign in late ninety nine, and by two thousand was it two thousand when third edition comes out. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So third edition comes out while we're in the midst of playing that campaign, and so we converted right. And in fact, as I recall, there was a special conversion manual for us of how do you convert your characters and etc. How do you translate everybody Mm -hmm. over? What's your memory of that? How well did that work? I, I didn't have any. I didn't find any fault with it. It seemed, it seemed reasonable to me uh, at the time. It went into pretty good uh, detail about what classes convert, how do levels work, ability scores. Obviously, um, uh, third edition had a much more extensive skills system. Um, so there were um, there was advice about how to convert your um, second edition style proficiencies is what they were called into skills. Um, and I thought, I thought it worked fine, but, uh, they didn't do it after that. Right, Paul. They didn't do a conversion guide. Is that what you're saying? After yeah. The... I don't think, I don't think later additions, which is, I never saw another conversion guide after this one. I right. will say, um, so my, I mean, I remember back then being kind of excited about the new edition. This is basically right after wizards acquires TSR, like the whole the whole product line has felt kind of like like fallow for a little while, and what's going to happen to it? And like, oh, they made a they made a new edition. This was exciting. I, f- I feel like that was the feeling at our table was this is exciting. We're excited to embrace the new edition and check it out. Uh, for me, though, the conversion didn't go so great. Uh, if you remember, I was playing a character built using the right. uh, second edition Tome of Magic. I was playing an elemental wizard uh, uh, in the element of Earth. Uh, and that just didn't exist in third edition yet. <laughs> that that yep, concept yep, did not right. exist. And uh, I think I ended up converting him to a sorcerer was like the closest thing I could get to making this character work in third edition. And eventually I just kind of felt like it wasn't quite right. I wasn't terribly happy about him. And I, and I just got rid of him and made a new character. Yeah, I think you probably actually had the, the roughest time, the, 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 the poorest fit with a conversion. And I mean, maybe that's a common experience if someone's using like a supplement or an accessory class or source, 
And sure. I think that the, the, the key word you slipped in there was it wasn't available yet, is yeah. that yeah. Yeah, they <laughs> might recreate these things in supplements later on, but they're not going to be in the core rule books and you're going to be left out to dry if you want to play that same thing. Like a lot of people like Wild Magic from second edition, same kind yep. of thing. Um, it won't be there in the core rule books. Probably Psionics won't be there. Um, so I that might be a common um, uh, problem for people that are eager to explore supplementary stuff. They might not be there in the new core. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't and, think it was something I really tore my hair about out at the time. I was excited about the new rules and new stuff to interact with. And so I was like, great, let me make a new character using the new rules so I can build from the ground up and, uh, right. you know, make something that's that's fun. Um, and I think that's that's something I would come back to and I would look at I would I would bring us back to this chart here, right? Again, glossing over the three and three point five short lifespan and the original short lifespan, but that's that's a whole separate bowl of wax. Again, if you imagine three and three point five are essentially the same edition, all of these editions live for roughly ten years, plus or minus. Mm -hmm. Um and 10 years is a long time to run a campaign, to be honest, at least for me. Um, I know there, there are certainly some long-run campaigns out there, but for me, like, by the time a new edition comes out, I'm probably jonesing for something new anyway. And so, like, me, using it as a point to create new is maybe m more common, I will argue. I, I, I'm just one, I'm going to wonder out yeah. loud here if yeah. the, the lifespan of campaigns hasn't been decreasing over time. Um, in the original first edition books, there was there just wasn't any discussion about campaigns ending. The promise at the time was that a D and D campaign was just endless. That was that was the goal. Uh, yep. Now you could write that. It's more easy to write that when the game only exists for two or three years. Okay, yeah, your campaign hasn't ended yet, um, and there are some people from that era that are still playing campaigns twenty, thirty, forty years old. So maybe that was more th those switches were more of concern to keep it compatible when the campaigns were longer running. And maybe now that campaigns are shorter, uh, we just assume that you can just reboot the whole thing. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe those two things are working in in um, in sync with each other. I don't know. I mean, there's, this is probably a whole separate topic for us, Dan, because because now that I think right. about it right in the old in the old school, you had modules right and some of them were obvious continuations of each other right the 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 a series the g series these all like they were clearly you know sequels to each other but in a lot of cases it was kind of up to the dm to figure out how to stitch these things together into a cohesive whole and that's not the way content is published these days at least not by wizards right wizards is now producing big campaign books where they're like here is a whole campaign that's going to take your characters from yep. first level to 20th or whatever yep. um and they're just trying to give you the entirety of the content so I wonder, uh, what I don't know off the top of my head is, how long do they expect that to last? If I play some of the pre-written material from Wizards, I play a boxed campaign from them, how how many years of play do they think that is? That's a good, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah, that's, question. that's something I would like to I dig into. Like, so don't they think you can go to like future, level 1 to 20 episode. in a single year now? Isn't the idea <laughs> that you can go from level 1 to 20 in like one year of play? Isn't that the, the offer now? I don't know. I might be misremembering. Uh, again, I've it's never interesting really played that, any of that content, so I don't know. You know, it's interesting with the adventures because it was on my mind with the uh, the ODD uh, discussion the other day 
um, is someone simultaneously made the point of, um, you know, what some people critique, uh, what current players critique the original, uh, original D&D for is they say that um, there's, there's not enough there. Uh, it takes too much work on the part of the DM to construct a, a full game, fill in all the gaps and make a campaign world. Uh, and they said, but I don't see it that way at all. What I see it as is a skeletal superstructure for making a unique campaign world for each DM. And my response was, that's sort of the same thing. Isn't that, isn't that exactly <laughs> the same thing? Just whether you take it as a positive or negative. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, um, and at the right. time, the original creators of the game couldn't believe that adventure modules could be sold, right? They went a number of years really resisting the idea of prepackaged adventures saying, of course you don't want that. The whole point of the hobby is to create your own unique adventures. And um, the creators of D&D were not the first people to, to publish modules. They were late to the game. And now it's very different, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's let's jump forward. Let's talk about three point five. Yeah, great. So I'm just going to show this chart again. Three point five. Three. If you consider three point five a major edition change, I did at the time. Uh, that makes third edition just about the shortest lived edition that exists, apart from original. Maybe around the same time. Uh, three point five was my jumping off point, Dan. That was where I was done. <laughs> done yes. with the new editions. Yes. No thanks. I'm done with this. Uh, I don't think that's super common. Uh, I, I don't hear a lot of people saying that um, because also I think I do think that it was kind of slid under the radar a little not not under the radar obviously they talked about hey there's a new edition and you should get it but um, they don't they certainly didn't make conversion guides right they were just like just take right. the new rules and use them right this is 3.5 right. incremental changes just just use them don't worry about it right right yeah the, the promise was that it was compatible but different I think I struggled for a while trying to keep tabs on all the many changes, like to the, the spell listing. They made a great number of changes to the spells that were kind of hard to keep uh, yeah. keep intact. And of course, and they, they like were wrestling with Polymorph, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's a whole episode on its own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I certainly, you know, these days, if I talk to anybody who still plays these editions, which there certainly are some, um, what I see is a lot of like uh a lot of difficulty frankly i like a lot of people will scratch their heads and be like wait was that third or 3.5 mm -hmm. wait which yeah. right <laughs> which rule did this go in um yeah i, I uh, oh i don't have the 3.5 cover in on hand but i didn't split that thing. that's on me to the that's on cover me. um mm -hmm. so they're very similar right again i think that 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 the approach was just this is just an incremental change just just deal with it mm -hmm. which is very different from fourth edition a lot right. comes fourth edition, where now, that's fourth the edition one where I was. was they, right. they made it. There was a big presentation about it at Gen Con. There was a lot of build up to it. It was the ads for for that presentation were printed on the key cards to your hotel room. That's how big of a deal they were. They were thinking it was. Wow. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know. Certainly, the news received the news at my table that was yeah. not received with excitement. We were like, ah, oh, jeez. Really? <laughs> so, yeah. 
so a lot of people like fourth it. edition. So I remember among the things you can say many things about fourth edition is, and I remember them and and um, Stephen in the chat um, uh, is remembering the same thing that I did. Is they sp in contrast to the second to third conversion guide that Paul showed us? Uh, uh, Wizards came out, and there somewhere there is a press release where they go on record and saying you cannot convert mm -hmm. characters from third to fourth. It's impossible. We're not going to try it. There'll be no conversion guide. You just have to remake all your characters from scratch with the new rules. Which is not um, surprising, frankly, because I do think, and I think many yeah. people agree with me on this, whether you yeah. like fourth edition or not, that fourth edition is the most different from any of the other editions. It is definitely an outlier. Um, right. You know, I remember the video says the game remains the same. Um, but it, it, really, they were talking about like the core elements of the game are still the same. But certainly, they weren't saying like you're just yeah. going to adapt your current campaign setting. I think they were saying, nope, new campaign yeah. time. Definitely time for a new campaign. Yeah. Ultimately, I don't think those claims were true. I mean, they they, yeah. they have to say it for marketing purposes, and ultimately, I just don't think those statements were true. And at the same time, I mean, let's now we're getting into the whole fourth edition. Issue. Yeah, but, we don't have to but it, let's just edition. say it was a jumping uh, off point for many people. For it was a, a clear jumping off point for many people. That was the moment when the OSR started up, basically, was people yeah. moving away from uh, published D&D. Uh, that's basically spawned a lot of old timers um, getting back to their uh, DIY roots. Yep. The OSR started up there. And a couple of years later, amazingly, uh, Pathfinder was, you know, based on third edition, was outselling uh, the Dungeons and Dragons product. And we normally right. think of D&D as the 800 pound gorilla in the room of RPGs. And there was a particular window where it was the number two uh, because more people were playing the third edition inspired Pathfinder game. So yes, very different. I think we can agree. Yeah, yeah here you have Pathfinders are you have a totally different company kind of picking up the flag and carrying it forward and saying right. like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna be know 3.75 or whatever you want to call it where we are mm -hmm. you know following forward with that um yeah i would say fourth edition was divisive right some people love it mm -hmm. some people hate it um but definitely yeah. the 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 community of of D, &D players was fractured at that yeah, point i agree uh and it's interesting because that's the one case where wizards said nope this is brand new toss your old stuff right and i would say Looking yes. forward, looking at how they presented the following editions, they clearly learned their lesson from that. I think they clearly said, well, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> right? So then you have fifth edition come along, or what they called at the time, D&D Next. Anybody still calling it yes. D&D Next? <laughs> they are not. We all call it fifth now. But yeah, they tried to call it. They tried really hard uh, for a while uh, to not put a number on it. And there were Still, again the run up to it. There I were claims of anyone, anyone playing fifth, go grab go grab your fifth edition books and take a look yeah. at them and find the number five on it somewhere. Probably won't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And same for you know here's my here's my third edition book. Right? Is there a yeah. three on this on the cover? Well, actually, there uh, is. It's actually yes. it's really small. It's one right here. If you look really really carefully, there's a little bit, but it's not <laughs> on the title page. It's not in the title of the book. So it seems like repeatedly they keep trying to get away from the numbers. Um, yeah. that's not good for marketing, out. but yeah, yeah. I remember the run up to what we call fifth now, right? They were calling it D and D next. And a lot of the, uh, buzz was we want people of any edition to be welcome. We, we, we want this to be compatible. We don't care what edition people are playing, whether it's first or second or fourth, 
we want everybody to be able to interface with this. Um, yep. And that was a large part of the run up then too. Yep. And also I would say like news of this uh, spread very quickly, right? This was this, news of the new edition preceded the actual print by years, I mm -hmm. think. I'm trying to remember mm -hmm. the exact dates and I'm failing. I'm sorry, I should have done more research on this angle of it. Um, but I remember that it was in playtest for a super long time. Somewhere around here, I'm kicking around an early playtest edition book that is not fifth, not what was published. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, they got yeah. a lot of buy-in and they worked really hard to ease the audience into playing it. Now, are there uh, conversion guides for how to adapt your fourth edition characters to fifth? I, I highly doubt it. I, do, I don't yeah, know, but I would so. put down... 20 bucks, that's impossible. I, I've, I've not seen it. If there is, I think, again, uh, in this case, they were like, it's just not come forth with such an outlier. It's just not, yeah. let's not talk about it. I wouldn't be surprised if there did exist a Pathfinder or third edition to fifth edition conversion guide. That seems more plausible to me. But certainly wasn't. I can imagine but, that. I yeah. can, right, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah. It's interesting that, again, the, the second to third jump was the last moment where they claimed that that was viable. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so here's, yeah. now, now we're going to get into speculation land, Dan, because now we're going to talk about the next the next coming yes. up. What, what, I don't want to use the word Please, next. The next because next. They already tried that. The yeah. next next. <laughs> D&D <D> plus plus. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> so D&D uh, sharp. <laughs> what what do you think? What do you think? Will the next version be called 5.5? Will it be called 6? Uh, will there be a conversion guide from 5th? I am really curious about that. I feel like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think I have enough evidence one way or the other to make a claim. Clearly, uh, Ray Winnegar is being really cagey about that. And, mm -hmm. you know, part of his statement was that we're taking a lot of lessons from 5th. And, you know, what we're doing is we're taking feedback from our fifth edition players to make revised books. Um, so uh, I feel I could go either way. Like, I think that if anything, your chart about editions tend to last 10 years. Um, we're about at, you know, 2024 will be, the, I think, the, 20, the 10 year point for that. Yep. So I think yep. based on uh, prior evidence, it's quite likely it's going to be it's going to be six. Yeah, I, I I won't be surprised if the end result is that Wizards doesn't call it six and that the fans do, yes. and then eventually they just embrace mm -hmm. it and say, yeah, it's six, fine. There you go. And that's what <laughs> happened for, right? That's what, that's what happened for fifth. Yeah, yeah. I will also posit, I will be surprised if there's a conversion guide because I think they will, just, they will just claim, no, no, it's so compatible. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about that, right? They yeah. might talk about, here's how to convert your monsters. Here's how to convert your your character, maybe, but they're not going to talk about world changes or how to explain rule shift within the fiction. You're not going to see any of that. I think it's just going to be, yeah, just start using the new rules. It'll be fine. Yeah, Which is I probably, agree. frankly, in my opinion, is probably the right way to go, I think. Like, that's certainly how things went from, say, I don't know, uh, zero to first. Right, zero to first. Yeah, surely, it wasn't. They weren't like handholding you of how to convert your stuff. They're like, here's some new rules. You should use them. Yeah, um, uh, you know, again, those early editions were were more the same, right? Than yeah. we've seen from second to third to fourth to fifth, right? The changes have been more radical. Um, I mean, I, I did, just on that point, maybe you can bring up my Menser quote, right? So, oh, wow. um, I think last year. 
uh, Mr. Frank Menser, who was involved in all that kind of stuff, um, had this quote on chatting on Facebook here. And this happens to be a discussion about what's the rules for how light gets used. And I just highlighted the interesting part. He said, uh, and he's talking about the zero to first switch. Presumed axiom for him and Gary Gygax uh, was that first edition rules, uh, the first edition rule set should expand upon and not directly contradict anything that happened in the zero edition rules. Uh, and therefore, that's why we're going to come up with this ruling for the light spell, because somebody used it like this before and we can't take it away. So mm -hmm. I think that it was easier. I mean, they, you know, and in, in I've seen, you know, Gygax in his later years write using the title O slash AD&D, saying original slash advanced D&D, that in his mind, it was one single continuous game. And he yeah. himself didn't distinguish between the rules from from what we identify as one of those sets and the other. It wasn't even initially meant to be called Advanced D&D &D with a different name. And I know that some of our good uh, viewers and patrons will will uh, politely disagree with me on that. But in, in, if you talk to if you talk to Gary, you talk to Frank, you talk to other people in that original circle, they do not distinguish between yeah. original and first edition as being different games. So I think that was an e I mean, they're, they're compiling with the Monster Manual. They are compiling sources and just copy pasting from original D&D sources. They're just compiling it in one place. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's easier than the larger switches that they're willing to make nowadays. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I think we'll, you know, it'll, if any, if I had to compare it to other edition shifts, it's probably going to be more like the shift from three to three point five than anything else. Where, yeah. uh, if you look closely, yes, there are a lot of differences, but they're not going to yeah. like, you know, blow the trumpets and say, "Here's how you convert. Here's how you reset your campaign, etc." I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an online fact or other documents about mm -hmm. like, "Hey, I'm moving from the old edition to the new edition. How do I?" You know, how do I fix X, Y, Z? Yeah, the pro I, I don't think that it'll be... It certainly won't be printed and distributed to game stores like the second edition preview was. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Right. Um, right. But, um, but yeah, I bet it'll... I'm trying to remember now, actually, the conversion guide for third and second to third. How did we have that, Dan? Where did we... We must have we must have gotten print copies of that from our local game store, right? Um, I mean, I like certainly have a... Archived PDF version. So I think that, you know, like when we were talking to Sean Reynolds, uh, among the big switches they were making that time is pre third edition being very internet hostile, frankly, and then becoming very internet friendly at, overnight when Peter Adkinson uh, bought uh, with uh, bought uh, the company. Um, make, you make so a good point. Now, I mean, I'm remembering, uh -huh. in fact, that the third edition books had a, a CD and a sleeve in the back for their yes, uh, characterization right. software, which uh, uh, didn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think we uh, really. We tried. We tried as as software people. Oh, we wanted that to work very much. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. No. No, it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it was a, the promise was great. It took it took uh, it took uh, it took Wizards I don't know thirty years before they really got their software tools close to right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So should we talk? Uh, I mean, so in our last ten minutes, should we talk briefly about we we know what some of the changes that they want to make with this new uh, Monsters of the Multiverse book is? What are some of the major changes that they um, they do expect to be making in the near future? 
I mean, the thing that jumps out to me the most about this book in particular is that mm -hmm. it consolidates all of the new classes. They're like, hey, we've released a bunch of new classes. Let's put them all in one book. And there are 30 or over 30 classes. Ooh, yeah. That's a lot of classes. Uh, do you think the, the, the new player's handbook is going to have 30 classes in it? Wow. I, I suspect not. I suspect not. That's too, that's too that many. That just seems that's, too that's many gonna classes. Be, any, I, I really, I feel bad for the poor new player who has to open up. A, oh, I got my player's yeah. handbook. I'm learning D and D for the first time ever. Pick one of these thirty yeah. classes. Oh yeah. boy, that's yeah. that's too much choice. That's that's overwhelming. I agree. I agree. Uh, I think that's the about? sign of like near the end of an edition, they 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 do these compilations of like here's the everything for this for the decision. <laughs> Is what that what it sounds like to me. It's the clip show of of uh, of RPG publishing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the clip show. You know, there's actually products uh, in the late '90s that I'm actually pretty fond of. They they really did a lot of work with them. The um, the the Wizard Spell Compendium and the, mm -hmm. the Cleric Spell Compendium. There's also like a Magic Item Compendium, and they they come in uh, like four volumes set uh, for a total of like 1,500 pages each, I think. And the interesting thing there is that they claim to be compatible with all prior editions up until that point. They were, they were, they were the promise. Oh. They, they didn't even have an edition label on that. And the promise was that you could use these spells for zeroth or first yep. or second edition because it was all the same game after all. It's all the same. Yep. I don't think uh, you do yeah, that. Excellent, excellent point here by by Stephen in the chat about uh, that. So that you can play one of those five E classes in the new edition. In fact, yeah, ah. I bet you that's exactly the backwards compatibility angle, right? Uh, I don't have to worry yeah. about the fact that assassin ah. doesn't exist in the new edition. Uh, this old book that collected all the old classes is compatible. So just just use that. Clever. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you that's it. That's a good point. Uh, what else? What did you want to These talk about? Smart. What, what major difference jumps out at you that we know about the new, the new uh, thing? Let me see. So the, I think the claim in with the new book is that they're, they'd spend a surprising amount of ink on on challenge ratings um, hmm. in this in that um, uh, in the in the in the new, the new uh, marketing material for the new book. Um, and we should do a whole episode just once on, on challenge ratings, Paul, and whether that's actually a useful tool or not. Um, and sure. they are... Be... <laughs> <laughs> that might be a little bit of a controversial topic for us to talk about, and you and I. Uh, some some well, people I mean, maybe think like it's a fool's errand and they're never going to get it right. Others may spend a decade writing software to uh, make a perfect system. Hmm. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> You don't say. So, so the, the, another episode. Again, another yeah, episode, yeah. Paul. Um, so they they surprised, spent a surprising amount of ink with this with this new book, saying we are working to keep the same challenge ratings, and we have what we've done is we've we've added powers to monsters so that they have multiple paths, multiple ways of achieving the listed challenge rating. But we've worked really hard to not change any of the documented no. challenge ratings. Anecdotally, I heard that, that the reasoning for that is that they're worried that there are DMs out there who have kind of either memorized the CRs of a bunch of different monsters or just, just kind of know, oh, that's a CR1 okay. versus that's a CR5 okay. monster and possibly written their own content. And they don't want those, those DMs to have to go back and retcon and change what's in their dungeon. Right? They want to be like, oh, you expect skeletons to be CR1 and you have a, an adventure that's that's for CR1 or, or level one characters, you should still be able to have skeletons in there. 
Uh, um, well, it's really interesting but here's because how to, here's when how talked, to adapt the stats so yeah. that they're still CR one. <laughs> yeah, when we had when we interviewed when we had the opportunity to interview Janelle J. Quays uh, last year, right? And we talked about going back to her uh, groundbreaking adventures. Uh, she said that's the the main difficulty, right? So the main difficulty of revising one of those adventures is she just has to change all the monsters. All the monsters have to get swapped out for different monsters because the way that they interact with the characters and the challenge rating is all different. So if, yeah, I just, I, if Wizards wants to maintain compatibility with fifth edition adventures, that actually is, a, I can see why that's a major point. All of a sudden that becomes, uh, I think the light bulb just went off for me, why that's important for them. You know, now I, now I really want to dig into, oh, God forgive me. I really want to dig into a fifth edition printed campaign. I want to know more. How do they get run? How long do they take? Uh, will they remain compatible with the new edition? Yeah, oh, I'm very interested. I don't know a lot about this stuff. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I just need to find somebody who does know a lot about this stuff and get them on the show because I have questions yeah. and I'm, I'm, do I have the stomach to 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 find out the hard way? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's an interesting question. I, how, yeah, how long yeah. do those things last? That's a really good. I mean, it seems like there ought to have enough track record and experience that those things ought to be a known quantity at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. We don't pre-plan our campaigns in great detail uh, yeah. like that, but someone must someone must be succeeding at that. Interesting. All right, Dan. We have just a couple minutes left here. Do you have any final thoughts on managing edition change? Well, I have questions. This one I have. I, yeah. I'm ending with with open questions, and uh, you know, I'm wondering how much emphasis should there be on making the PCs convertible. Um, uh, you know, was it an inter Is it important at all to make the changes diegetic, like actually observable in the campaign world, like we see in our comics? You know, our, our history of comics and adventures in the first to second switch and my but my main my main question is will wizards be successful at making the the next version compatible with prior materials i'm a little bit skeptical i think that over three years of time from when they announced it in 2021 to the release in 2024 that is three years that's the entirety lifespan of original DD or third edition I think there'll be some kind of design um, motivation or marketing motivation that things will fall out of sync. I'm going to be very, very surprised if they succeed at that. But based on what you told me today, they're, they, they put down more groundwork already than I would have expected. So maybe yep. I'll be wrong about that. I would, I would point out they have a whole new challenge, I think, that other editions haven't faced, especially given the pandemic, which is to say a lot of this content exists in some automated digital form. Right. Whether you're talking about mm -hmm. people's uh, roll 20 campaigns or people on fantasy grounds, how hard is going to be to take that prepackaged material that a lot of people have paid money for to exist in this digital yeah. space and convert to the new edition? Um, I mean, you know, the more they can do to make that easily convertible or at least or just reusable, I think the better. Uh, so that so that that content can can still be resold. I don't know. Then again, maybe I'm full of shit because maybe uh, that just opens the market for here's the new sixth edition version of my whatever campaign. You should buy that too. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, fifth edition has been the has has seen the rise of online streaming. So now yeah. there's an enormous uh, you know uh, quantity of content on YouTube 
And uh, William's pointing out the critical role, of course, of uh, those are great uh, marketing promotional uh, um, avenues. Um, do they want to break compatibility so those things become incoherent? Probably not. I mean, I don't remember the exact history here, but I can't. I do know for a fact that Critical Role, at least before it was a show, when it was just a private game, was fourth edition. Um, were the very early episodes streamed at fourth edition, and did they convert to fifth, or did they just happen to coincide right with fifth? I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to look that one up. Uh, if if, it, if they did convert, good. I want to go find, and if they streamed it, now I super want to go find that. I want to go find right. the episode where they convert from fourth to fifth. Hmm. If that exists. Maybe it doesn't exist. <laughs> Fascinating. Curious. If you know, viewers, if that exists, shoot me a link. Post a link down there in the comments. I want to see it. Um, uh, if you have other thoughts on edition change and how to manage your campaign switching from one edition to the next, whether that's going from zero to first or first to second or fifth to whatever is coming next. Uh, leave us some, leave us some comments, leave us your thoughts. Uh, we would love to hear it. Uh, if you have any answers to any of Dan's questions that he just posed, uh, let us know. Maybe that will uh, continue the conversation. Maybe we'll have to have a, a follow-up show uh, as we continue to grapple with this problem. Certainly there's plenty of time for it between now and 2024. <laughs> I want to see some predictions in the YouTube comments. Yeah. I want people going on record so we can look back uh, in two years from now and see who called it right and who called it and, wrong as far as how them. successful. And, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not well, where let's focus going. on praising. Let's find the okay, people okay, who okay, are right great. and praise them and bring them on the show for what happens two years after that. Uh, I'm trying to be positive here, Paul. Come on. Excellent. We're, we're, <laughs> uh, oh, but if you are new to the show, if you are new to the show, of course, you can like, follow, and subscribe to us, The Wandering DMs, and we are on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and also GitHub, and we have the handle Wandering DMs on all the sites. So look for this there, and you'll get updates on upcoming shows. If you prefer to listen to us as uh, audio-only podcast, perhaps while you're uh, driving uh, on your commute or out uh, snowblowing all the snow, um, you can do so. You can get uh, get these... Uh, get. Uh, audio-only podcast versions of our show on our website at wanderingdms.com or through various podcast carriers such as Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify. If you are listening to the show right now uh, on one of those carriers, um, maybe when you're done snowblowing, go inside and leave us a review on that site. That helps other users of that site find our show, and we really appreciate it. We really do. Uh, big thanks to the viewers today for a really uh, interesting chat that's been going on uh, for, during the live show. And of course, a big special thanks to our patrons who support the show every month. If you would like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wandering DMs. We have a couple different tiers. We have discounts on merch, access to our private Discord server, monthly behind the scenes videos, polls, and surveys that we do, and after party chat uh, that we have every Sunday. We'll be there in about 10 minutes to continue the discussion on our Discord server. Uh, okay, so I think, Paul, that you are starting the new TDR tomorrow night, I think, right? Gosh, I sure hope so. Uh, we keep trying to get this thing <laughs> get this thing running. Um, uh, we do need the full cast present, and so, uh, unfortunately, uh, illness has kept us from starting it because we want all of us uh, there for the show kickoff. So hopefully, crossing our fingers, that everyone is well and ready to stream tomorrow and will be online. Um, but uh, if you're not sure, do watch our socials where we announce, uh, we announce the shows. 
We, I, I really hope that there's a lot less uh, sickness going forward for, for everybody. We've Many of our gaming groups have been hit by that recently and many things that we're trying to do. So I really, really hope in 2022, we will finally get a cure disease spell. Can someone please, <laughs> can someone please call a cleric and get a cure disease in here? Because we're all kind of sick of it. All right. So don't forget, of course, we are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So we hope that you will join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then. <laughs>